hey, this is Mike Birbiglia, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, which is one of the better tape recorders. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Chris Porter. I guess just in my head, I'd always thought, yeah, I'd move out to L.A. And then when it was time to have kids or whatever, maybe just move back to Kansas City and, and have a, a bit of a more normal life, I guess. But uh, just with my job and the, and the industry, the way things are, it's just, that's not in the cards for me. If you go way back with Chris Porter, you remember him from Last Comic Standing, but he is a, a true road warrior. He's so funny. He's kind of an everyman, if you will. And we had a great chat with Chris talking about his new podcast that he's doing with his sister and all the other things that he is up to. We have a song of the week coming up from, wait for it, OMD. I was shocked. Didn't know it was coming. I'd heard rumors. We're going to give it a listen at the end of the show. Uh, but first, we're going to have a dumb bit, which, depending how the rest of the week goes, may or may not be a repeat. Here we go. Newsbusters and their parent organization, the Media Research Center, and I'm using those annoying little air quotes when I say research, uh, anyway, they are vigilantly fighting an effort to boycott those who advertise on the Rush Limbaugh show. But don't worry, they still have time to attack a stay-at-home mom, which is the subject of this installment of... What kind of nonsense is that? Rita Templeton is a mommy blogger. She has her own website slash blog called Fighting the Frumpy. A few weeks ago, she wrote a post called The Naked Truth. A bit of an overused title, uh, if I do say so myself, uh, but it seems like every story about nudity seems to use that title, you know, the naked truth about celebrities, the naked truth about blah, blah, blah. But anyway, uh, her basic thesis was, and it was a good one, as the mother of four boys, ages two to nine, she decided that if her sons accidentally saw her naked getting out of the shower or whatever, seeing her get into her pajamas, whatever the case may be, she wouldn't freak out and might even view the situation as a positive. Now, the Huffington Post runs her stuff too, so like me, she's not making money from several places on the internet. They, of course, uh, picked up on this, uh, but they decided to change the title to Why I Want My Sons to See Me Naked, which is a completely different idea than the one she put forth in the original post. Now, if you've ever lived in a house with other family members, you know people walking on each other in various stages of nakedness. Uh, totally by accident, it just happens. Miss Templeton decided such situations were no big deal. She didn't, as the HuffPo version of the title implies, sit her sons down one day and say, Okay, boys, gather around. Mommy wants to show you something. No. She was talking about accidental nudity. If they happened to see her that way by accident, she would make a big deal out of it and make them feel like they did something horrible. She also reasoned that if they did happen to see her incidentally naked, that it would be, in the long run, maybe a good thing because it would instill a realistic expectation of what the female body looks like. Boring, but you know, in a good way, a healthy way. It's a good thought. Okay, this of course is where Newsbusters and the Media Research Center show up. Now, Newsbusters uh, and the Media Research Center, the Media Research Center owns Newsbusters, they're not the brightest bulbs on the internet, and uh, being the narrow-minded busybodies that they are, it's no surprise a headline like, Why I Want My Sons to See Me Naked is going to give them an embolism. So the Media Research Center writes a rather lengthy piece decrying her as the worst mom of 2014, and of course their sister site Newsbusters links to it. But in case the HuffPo's reworking of the title wasn't inaccurate enough, they titled their critique, Mommy Blogger Wants to Be First Nude Body Young Sons See. And this is the first thing I saw on this, and when I saw it, worded like that by Newsbusters, I knew there was something fishy going on. Now, the Huffington Post also had Miss Templeton as a guest on their HuffPo Live streaming channel to discuss the piece. And understand that HuffPo bears some responsibility here because they clearly tried to position this as something titillating when it most certainly was not. The MRC, in their piece, even embed the video uh, in their critique, though they totally managed to draw one wrong conclusion after another. 
Host Ricky Camillari, for his part, tries his best to make this sound way more exciting than it really is. Politics to parenting, HuffPost blogs run the gamut. And every day at HuffPost Live, we like to shine a spotlight on some of the hottest blogs on our site. Mmm, hottest blogs. Go on, Ricky. Now, while mainstream thinking suggests that we cover up and maintain some modesty in front of our kids, it's... Spoiler alert, so does the person you're about to interview. One Iowa mom has made the choice not to be bashful around her young sons, both out of convenience and principle. In her blog, Why I Want My Sons to See Me Naked... Which is not the title of her blog. Her blog is Fighting the Frumpy. That's not even the title of the original post. All right. So, now I'm very pro-nudity, but I'm also very pro-modesty. Now, if it's hot out and there's no one else home and I want to wait to put on the air conditioning because, you know, I'm also cheap above all other things. Well, you know. Okay, sorry. I know. T-M-I-P-F. But I'm also the kind of guy who, when I go to the beach or a swimming pool, I'll wear a t-shirt even in the water. Okay? So when she says this... I'm not naked more than the average person. I'm completely bummed out. Now, she even goes as far to say that she does teach modesty, like when it comes to using the bathroom. You poop with the door closed, and you close the door and you shower, and stuff like that. But she also realizes that it's hard to control four young boys. As much as I teach them about knocking and about modesty, they barge in. Kids do that. True that. But the best part of all this is toward the bottom of the Media Research Center piece, where they highlight some of the points she makes in the HuffPo live interview, but does so in the weirdest way. They call out where she says she wants to teach her children not to be ashamed of their bodies, but instead of using the whole quote, they just put the word ashamed in quotes as if to indicate that that's crazy talk. You should be ashamed of your body. And if you're not ashamed of your body, you'll make Jesus cry. They also point out that she says her partner understands all this and highlights just the word partner in quotes because to the Media Research Center, that's code for something evil. What's funny is she's not the one that brings up the word partner. Host Ricky Calamari does. What, what's, your, what's your partner's uh, nudity policy? So she just goes along with the word partner. In fact, she didn't even say the word partner. She just says he understands we've sat down and talked about it and so on. Now, remember the R in Media Research Center stands for research. So you think they would do some and find out who this partner, quote unquote, is. My guess is either they did and they didn't like the answer because it undermines their whole BS premise, or they were just that lazy and incompetent. Either scenario is likely. It took me less than a minute to find out who her partner is. Her partner is her husband. And it doesn't say how long they've been married, but they've been together since she was 17. Oh, sorry, Media Research Center. It's not a same-sex partner or some dude she's shacked up with and living in sin. But maybe next time, huh? Isn't this the kind of thing newsbusters and the MRC should celebrate? She's married to a man. She's had four kids with him. She chose life. She did not not have them. She's a stay-at-home mom. Her pretty little head isn't filled with notions of having a career outside the home and trying to do things that are best left to the menfolk. The Media Research Center and Newsbusters should have attacked HuffPo for trying to be click whores and using an innocent post about a common household occurrence to drum up page views. But instead, they try to take the moral high ground with a perfectly lovely woman who, from reading her blog, appears to be a fine mom. So let's review. Newsbusters and the Media Research Center are vigorously coming to the defense of Rush Limbaugh, a very wealthy, very powerful white male who is a noted misogynist, race baiter, homophobe, probable sex tourist, general bigot, and overall awful human being. And they instead are attacking a stay-at-home mom who has been married to a guy she's been with since she was 17, with whom she has four boys, she did not have four boys, she chose life, who lives in Iowa, the heart of the heartland, and they're attacking her because she decided not to freak out if her sons happened to accidentally see her naked. Okay, so we do not have a candidate for worst mother of 2014, no. What we do have, though, is a solid nomination for the most ridiculous thing ever posted by Newsbusters and the Media Research Center. And something that should make anyone reading it say, What kind of nonsense is that?
Porter is a stand-up comedian originally from Kansas City, Missouri. He's based in Los Angeles now. He's on the road about 44 weeks out of the year, so you can catch him headlining a club near you, I'm sure. Here now is our interview with Chris Porter. You know, because it's a casino, they got me riding in a limo, so I'm in the limo on the way back. Uh, where are you playing there? Brad Garrett's place or? Uh, uh, no, I'm playing at Jimmy Kimmel's new club. Oh, I know you had a new club. Where's that at? Uh, it's inside the Wink. The Wink. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a nice place. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So uh, good times. It's, uh, it's a little, little hot, but uh, to be expected. Correct. Yeah. Are, are you a big Vegas guy normally? Um, I didn't used to be, but uh, the older I get, I've started to figure out how to do it, and uh, it's a little more fun now. I don't really gamble, but I like the restaurants and the, uh, well, the restaurants, really. (laughs) Right. Uh, We're we're the opposite. We've kind of gotten, because it's changed so much over the past couple of years that it's, uh, it's not a lot of fun anymore, you know? Uh... I mean, I guess I feel like it's more fun than it used to be. Hmm. Uh, I think it's just the thing about Vegas is it's where you hang and who do you hang with. I guess, yeah. So, uh, but I guess that's anywhere, really. What's that? I said I guess that's anywhere, really. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but Vegas used to be they charge you for parking now, and but if you want to get a drink, you've really got to be clever. We finally figured out a, a scam where we find out where the where the waitresses disappear to get the drinks. Then you sit like right by that, and they have to walk by you, <laughs> and you tip them nicely. And then they're like, well, then you you know, then they even they're they're supposed to be looking at you now and looking at the machines, and if you're not gambling enough, they you're not, they're not supposed to serve you a drink. Isn't that crazy? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's all about the overhead. It is right. Yeah, these they say these places weren't built on uh, on winners, but still they uh, really got to soak the losers, I guess. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so we, you know, I know you remember this, but famously, you know, I've never, I haven't been to Minneapolis ever except for twice for an hour in the airport. But that changed finally a couple of weeks ago, and Kansas City figures into it because um, while we were there for my nephew's wedding, we went and saw the Twins play the Kansas City Royals. Awesome. Yeah, they did not help out by Cleveland Indian, Indians at all. <laughs> we, were, we were rooting for the Royals because we needed them to win. Um, well, hold on a second. We're getting out of the car. Oh, sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, so uh, yeah, well, that's. Uh, I was hoping to make it to Target Field this week, but I don't. Uh, or the week I'm there, I don't think I'm going to be able to. Though uh, it was, it was fun. It was my. Um, it was funny. We were at the wedding, and my um, niece uh, said, "You know, we're going to do something special for for Kevin and Molly. We're going to do a, a, a thing on the scoreboard during the fifth inning. Do you guys want to go to the game?" And my wife looked at me kind of like I was supposed to say, "Oh no, we're probably going to be doing something else." And I was like. Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> so we did. Yeah. We had a great time, and um, the 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 game ran late, but um, everybody had a good time. And um, are you a big sports guy normally? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge. I'm way into sports. Uh, okay. The Royals are my favorite. There you go. And then a, and then the KU Jayhawks basketball team are second, and the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs. There you go. All right. Uh, you guys are supposed to be really good this year. You're, I think you're my pick for the Super Bowl. 
Well, as a, as a lifelong Chiefs fan, I can tell you this. The years we're supposed to be great are the years we are not. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I, I, I remember that now, yeah. Well, and as a, as a Browns fan, I can assure you that either Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham will break their leg in the first two games. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> it's, sure. It's coming. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're very excited uh, uh, for the Browns this year, so I might start watching football again. Cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, what else do you do, like, when you're uh, not on duty? I mean, out in Vegas or, or, or really anywhere, I, uh, when, when you're not writing jokes and stuff? Uh, well, I mean, that takes up a lot of my time. I'm working 40 to 44 weekends a year, and that's out of 52, so that's a tough schedule. Uh, I, uh, you know, when I'm home, I try to get to the gym. I try to date, although that doesn't go real well most of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then, um, yeah, just I got a new podcast that I do with my sister called The One Million Podcast. So Oh, nice. Between, between all of that, I mean, I got a, I got a pretty, pretty packed schedule. Yeah. Well, I remember you told me last time, now I think about it, that when you are back home, that you try to, like, do as little as possible because you're so busy the rest of the time. That uh, you know, you just try to get a couple things done and uh, that need to get done, and then just you know, try to just enjoy. Some I, time I used to I used to try to relax when I came home, but the older I get, I just feel like I, I guess my time on this earth is coming to an end in the <laughs> next a lot sooner than I would hope. But uh, so yeah, I try to keep myself busy. I try to get out there and do stuff. I've been playing a lot of golf lately. Oh, nice! I just uh, I just feel like uh, I've slept enough. <laughs> the first forty years, let's uh, live a little. Oh, I'm I'm just still so tired though, because I've got like I've got like eight jobs, and so I'm just running around constantly. And we ran to a concert up in Dayton last night from Cincinnati, and uh, or was that two nights ago? See Stray Cats, because my daughter really wanted to see him. So we did that and got back at midnight and got up at six. It was our first day of school, and then my wife and I are both like, we're so tired. <laughs> what are yeah. we gonna do? Um, so uh, what's the podcast about? Uh, it's really not about anything. It's uh, my sister and I just kind of shoot the shit. We try to keep it pretty light. Um, yeah, we usually just bring up, tell you know, we just talk, and then we have topics that we that we bring. You know, just funny news stories. We try to stay away from the politics of it. And uh, but yeah, just we're just having a good time being funny. That's cool. What does your sister do uh, for? I- uh, she's a production. She does TV production. Oh, nice. She's an actress and a singer. But, oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Works for E right now, the network. Oh, very nice. So she's out in Los Angeles, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't live too far from me. Uh, Mom and dad are the only ones still home. Uh, still back in Kansas City, eh? Yep. Yep. Do you get back there often, or I guess touring 44 weeks? I, I do. I, got, I get back there about five or six times a year. Oh, that's I'd nice. Always, I'd always had... Uh, Visions of moving back, but I don't. The last time I went back, I kind of realized I don't think that's an option. Not a lot of people in Kansas City have my uh, have my schedule. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever asked someone in the Midwest if they want to have brunch on a Tuesday, but they get really upset at you. <laughs> that's true. I could I could see that where it might be a, a a bit of a scheduling conflict there. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. So, why the desire to move back to Kansas City? Though, is it just like tired of LA and all the and all that kind no, of? No, no. I, I guess just in my head, I'd always thought, yeah, I'd move out to LA, and then when it was time to have kids or whatever, maybe just move back to Kansas City and and have a a bit of a more normal 
life, I guess. But uh, just with my job and the, and the industry, the way things are, it's just that's not in the cards for me. Yeah. So as much as I love Kansas City, I think I've uh, I think I've said goodbye. Hmm. And that's one place I've never uh, actually been. Uh, my wife's been there. She went. Uh, she used to go with her uh, parents. My uh, late father-in-law was a big uh, fish collector. He had a big, this big, you know, it was his hobby. And uh, they would have a, a convention every year. And one year it was in Kansas City. So she went so she could go to Worlds of Fun because we were into amusement parks a lot uh, when we were oh, younger. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so she's enjoyed Kansas City. Uh, I have, I've never been but would like to. It seems like a nice, solid uh, Midwestern town. Uh, not unlike Cleveland, but um, in the middle of the uh, middle of the plains, as opposed to being on a big lake. It's the Paris of the plains, they say. <laughs> I've never uh, heard that. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's a it's a great city, and it keeps getting better. You know, like both cities, it's had a renaissance as of late. Yeah. You know, downtown's been built up, and you know the Royals winning the World Series was definitely definitely helped out the scene, and. Um, you know, it's just, you know, there's there's definitely a palpable energy there that probably wasn't there in the early 2000s. Yeah, I was um, watching the Indians broadcast a couple of weeks ago when the Indians were there in Kansas City, and the, the, the broadcasters were talking about uh, you know how great it is that they've actually kept Kauffman Field. They've just kind of kept updating it steadily through the years instead of trying to, like, tear it down and start again, because it's still, it's now really an iconic ballpark. Uh, of the ballparks of that era, it's certainly got to be the nicest. Uh, because it, didn't... Uh, it, is, it is it is a good ballpark. Although the rumor is that they are going to move it, they're going to move it to uh, they're going to move it closer to downtown. Uh, yeah, because it's out there on the uh, on seventy, right with um with the Chiefs Stadium. Yeah, they're right next to each other. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, Target Field's a lot like this. Pittsburgh, the the downtown baseball fields are just something special. It is. Yeah, we have we have well, we ours has always been downtown in um Cincinnati. And same thing in Cleveland, although they moved it off the lake, of course. They left the Browns stay there and take that uh, over that property. And they moved the Indians, of course, uh, to the other side of downtown next to the basketball arena. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's not, not particularly scenic, although you get a nice view of back looking back at downtown and getting out of the ballpark is actually really easy. So uh, yeah. that's good. Um, so what are you talking about on stage these days, man? Is it, as usual things happening to you in your life or being a little observational? Uh, I mean, as far as on stage, I just, it's not more about what I talk about, but it's what I don't talk about. I just, you know, I'm still, uh, you know, I don't do politics or religion or racism or anything like that. It's all very, uh, I just feel like people need a break from all that stuff with the news the way it is. So, uh. Yeah, I'm just talking about regular life stuff. I talk about dating. I talk about being 40 and single. Uh, I talk about, uh, you know, everything from Amazon to Jimmy John's to, you know, it's definitely running the gambit. Yeah. Well, you are pretty much a uh, an everyman up there, especially for... I- I try to be. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when we saw you here in, in Cincinnati, yeah, it was a lot about, uh, you know, you did that great bit about dating the gal and she comes out without makeup and uh, that was that hilarious stuff. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, and so I guess touring 44 weeks out of the year, do you have any other vehicles for your comedy that you want to explore or, or is it is just stand-up keeping you busy? I mean, the stand-up keeps me busy. The podcast is definitely another avenue I've been wanting to explore, and I think with my sister, I finally have a good vehicle to do that in. Uh, and then, um, you know, I'm always writing pilots and all that stuff and throwing that shit against the wall, but, you know, the sitcom thing is like winning the lottery a little bit. Yeah. 
you gotta be, you gotta be real lucky and in the right space. So, uh, but yeah, I'm very fortunate. In the, you know, a lot of my peers in my industry, uh, you know, they they have to work a lot harder than to get the gigs than I do. I guess so. It, I'm just I'm very happy that after 21 years, it's uh, it's going it's still going. Well, and people know you. You know, you're in that nice position where when you come to town, it isn't like a, a thing like, let's go to the comedy club and, oh, this guy named Chris Porter's there. I think a lot of people, most of the people showing up probably are like, oh, yeah, and you probably have a, you know, a circle of fans in each town, which is what, I can't remember who told me that. It might have, might have been Berbigley, it might have been some years ago, said, really, that's really all you need to do is build that audience in each town, and you come to town every year, and they're there to see you, and they know you, and they, you know, know what you're about. And uh, that's, that's got to be, that's got to be pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I mean, it's amazing, especially because for, you know, the first 15 or so years, that was not the case. And uh, so it's nice to, again, after all these years, to be, you know, to to have people excited that you're coming into town. To have, you know, it's fun. You know, like last night here in Vegas, I I did an old bit off one of my older records. And as soon as I started the first couple lines, people started cheering. Oh, nice. You know, that's, that's an amazing feeling that, you know, it's like when a band plays the first notes of their famous song. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's that's something that's been occurring more and more lately. And it's, you know, it definitely makes you feel good. It makes you feel like maybe these last two decades were worth it. There you go. And, well, like you're saying, too, and, and not doing things like, you know, politics and being, you know, too socially observational. You know, of course, a lot of stuff is, is evergreen. So you, I reckon you could probably pull stuff out most anything out from the past and it still have some relevance I guess so yeah I mean I'm just glad that you know my fans you know the bits made enough of a brief, you know of a dent in their psyche to where they want to hear that stuff again you know it's you know most jokes people don't you know you, they just want to hear it the one time and to to have jokes that people are like no I want to hear that again and again and again that makes, that makes you feel real good well, especially if it's well told, because it's like a, you know, especially if it's more of a story kind of a joke, people want to be like, oh, you know, like like with me saying, you know, the one about where you, you date the girl and you get back and she's, you know, takes off her makeup and comes out and you're like, you know, send your sister back out here, please. That is, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, I could, I could hear that over and over again. That's hilarious. Um, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, does Jimmy ever show up at the club there in Vegas or is he, he's probably busy uh, with it? They say, you know, the club's not been open very long, but uh, they say he does. Uh, I don't know how much he shows up, but he is very involved. I know he, he personally uh, vets the acts that come in, and he's very uh, he involved with the menu. And as a matter of fact, the front bar, I was told this morning, is actually the replica of Jimmy's bar in his house. Oh, interesting. I forgot he's from so, there. Yeah, he is from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I... Uh Gosh, I interviewed him. I interviewed him years ago, back during the Man Show days. Him, him, and Corolla together. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. I just, I just remembered that. That just popped into my head. Yeah, and so let me think. I, I've got confused. The link is not uh, where I thought it was. The link is actually on the other side of the strip. It's where um, Imperial Palace. It was. It used to be the Imperial Palace, right? Isn't it's on that's yes, where the Ferris correct. wheel and and you got your In and Out Burger right there. So yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, although I'm a fat burger guy myself. But. Oh, okay. I'm mad at you. A uh, lot of controversy. Well, being from Kansas City, I'm sure you, you would know your beef. But um, for sure, yeah, there you go. Um, oh, one thing I was going to ask about the podcast when you're saying doing it with your sister. So I, I assume your sister uh, uh, and you are very close and kind of always gotten along. I would take it. 
Uh, yeah, well, we're seven and a half years apart, so I mean, oh. we weren't always close, but the older we've got, the closer we've got. And uh, yeah, she's uh, she's definitely one of my best friends. She's also one of the funniest people I know, which is fortunate. And uh, yeah, so uh, the podcast is uh, we just recorded, I believe, the eighth episode, and uh, the first seven are doing well. I guess I don't know how to compare them, but uh, you know, we're getting six hundred, seven hundred downloads an episode. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, we will we so. will certainly link to it uh, from here. Um, I was going to ask you about that. another question about the pod. Oh, available, I assume, wherever uh, people get their fine podcasts? That is correct, yes. All Spotify, right. iTunes, all the, all the pod things. There you go. Uh, I, I was talking to I was talking to Ryan Sickler a couple weeks ago, and because you know, he, he has a podcast, and he and and other people I've talked to some some say yes to this, some say not at all. Did any material come out of the podcast? You're talking to your sister, and you remember something that happened. Well, I've, I've only been doing it, like I said, for like two months, so no, not really. Okay. Uh, uh, but um, you know, who knows? Like material comes from everywhere. That's true. Yeah. I know there are some folks that say that, you know, it's it's two separate animals because they, they treat them differently, but then others are like, oh, this is, like Sickler was saying, it's just every week it's, yeah, there's there's tons of stuff. But um, that's cool because uh, it's, you know, like you said, a podcast should be about something, so it's not like you guys have really uh, have really locked on to something there. Uh, is your, do you think your sister would ever try stand-up being as funny, or is it just not, not her uh, bag? No, she already has. I don't know. She was very secretive about it, but I know she oh. did it a couple of times. I don't know if she still does or not. She kind of keeps all that away from me for you know i i understand that oh sure um, so yeah so i know she's tried it i've never seen it i don't know if she's still doing it mm, interesting maybe something you can explore sometime uh on the show <laughs> <laughs> well uh cool man so what do so the rest of the year i imagine is just uh just doing more headlining gigs and then uh and going yeah, from there i i do uh Mostly headlining gigs. I got a gig up in New York City. I'm uh, interviewing the up front for the band Shine Down. Oh yeah, and they're doing they're doing an event in any way. It's basically like a performance, and then I interview them. So oh nice. So that's going to be pretty fun. And then yeah, then the rest of the year is just touring and uh, getting a new hour ready for whatever they let me record it. I was just going to ask as uh, uh, building a new hour. So you haven't quite got that settled as far as like if it'll be a CD and or video or where it'll even go. No, no, because that's usually a thing a production company will approach me or, uh, so yeah, but, uh, you know, I'm at about 75, 70% ready, so I've still got a couple months before it'll be solid. Cool, man. So I guess, uh, you know, folks in Minneapolis will be hearing some of the stuff that may potentially be in the next hour? Oh, absolutely. They'll hear pretty much everything I got for the new hour. Well, great, man. And as always, hopefully you'll be back here in Cincinnati, uh, sometime soon. Hopefully, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to remind uh, remind Mikey, and uh, we can get that sorted. Uh, in fact, I'll probably see him next week at Bruhaha. You've been to Bruhaha before, right? Didn't you headline one? Uh, I've done it. It's amazing. Yeah, right. We're doing that in. Uh, in fact, uh, well, I'm going to set up one event now, and then next week I have to set up to sell T-shirts there uh, next week. So um, yeah, we'll we'll be there with uh, with everybody. Um, well, great, man. Uh, good talking again. As usual, have fun out in Vegas. Of course, enjoy those restaurants. Thank you, brother. Well, you have a great day, and I'll uh, talk to you when I see you in Cincinnati. Perfect. Thanks, man. All right, right. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again to Chris Porter for being on the show. You can catch Chris at the Gaffney Comedy Company August 27th through the 31st. That's there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, if you want to find anything else about Chris, you can go to chrisporterisfunny.com. But the problem there is, I'm looking right now, yeah, chrisporterisfunny.com, he doesn't have his tour dates up, uh, which is weird. Um, you can link to his Twitter account, but uh, hopefully he'll get that sorted and all the rest of his tour dates up. Like I said at the, in the intro, he tours uh, you know, 44 weeks out of the year, so he's likely coming to a place near you soon. Uh, we'll do some plugs here for Nearly Liza. Uh, Nearly Liza's video channel uh, is on hiatus, I guess. She's been concentrating a lot more on her, uh, I guess, graphic artwork. You can find that at Nearly Liza on Instagram. And she has a couple other accounts, too. I will check with her and uh, see what account you should all be following. I think the artwork one is Nearly Liza, so check that out. And as for Fangirl, her blog, Check, Check, Hey, I don't know if she's updated that yet. She just got back from her internship at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And museum, all this, now it's just the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, they, don't, they don't use the museum part anymore. But uh, she got back from her internship there and started up class uh, for her final semester at Northern Kentucky University. So there's that. So that's keeping her pretty busy. And let me see what else. Oh, up to the song of the week, aren't we? Song of the week, very exciting. So I knew this was, was coming. I, I'm on the OMD fan page. And uh, there was word there was going to be new music, and then I forgot about it. Someone asked a couple months ago, what, what, there's new music coming out next month. What is it? And nobody seemed to know, and they was like, okay. So, well, what happens is uh, OMD has two big releases coming up for the 40th anniversary. One is a, a an all-encompassing singles collection. So it's all of the singles from the past 40 years, two-disc set. And then a box set. Uh, which is going to include all of the singles and a bunch of B-sides. i got to go back and look at the um, press release now. There'll, there'll be more OMD talk in weeks to come because I'm going to see them twice in September. But anyway, uh, and we'll review the set when it comes out October 4th. But anyway, as part of the uh, singles collection, they've added a new track called Don't Go. And uh, a lot of uh, controversy, as they say in Britain, over on the uh, OMD fan page. People, Some people love it. Some people think it's okay. I say it's running gamma from it's okay to love it. I'm in the love it camp. And I suspect the people that think it's okay are not, like, the big OMD fans, I guess. Because one of the reasons I still like OMD so much is they still make great records. And this is, this is a really good tune. I suspect it is left over from English Electric, which is two albums ago, because it just kind of has that sound to it. The uh, the kind of the sequencer background, the keyboard uh, has a kind of a Metroland feel to it, which is a single from that album. And then uh, there's a nice little vocal hook that's in there as well. And it's got that little thing, that the little OMD trademark of Andy singing in two different octaves over himself. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the lyrics are kind of neat. I like the one line in it. Um, I, I took a ticket on the killing ride, and now it's over, and I wished I'd died, and it's just, I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it just sounds neat, it's a neat observation, so anyway, we have a brand new OMD single, and of course it's going to be the song of the week on PF State Recorder, uh, let me see what else, just follow, you know, find us on Facebook, Twitter, all the, all the things, tell your friends about the podcast and all that, and, uh, so, yes, I'm very excited. This is um, uh, brand new music from OMD, first new track in, I think, two years, uh, ahead of seeing them in a couple of weeks. This is Don't Go... Oh, another quick story real quick when I was trying to track this down. Uh, they got first played on BBC Radio 2 on Jeremy Vine show, so I had to suffer through 45 minutes of Jeremy Vine to get to it. Just kidding, I fast-forwarded through his uh, the replay of the show. But anyway... And to Jeremy Vine's credit, he played Human at the beginning of a show by Killers, probably the best song of, the, of this millennium, 2000 and up. Anyway, so I, I got to the mark where he finally played uh, Don't Go, and I didn't know it was going to be available for download in the U.S., so I had to, like, you know, strip it off there uh, like, a, like a caveman, and then the next day it, I found it in iTunes and, and bought it and gave OMD my $1.29, and well worth every penny, because this is 
OMD, Don't Go, the song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. There's a vision and it's in my head.